Well, good morning, Living Church. It's Baptism Sunday, and man, I'm so excited, so excited to see what God is going to do. You know, today, dozens of people are making their public declaration of faith, saying that the old me is being killed, it's, it's dead, and I'm being resurrected anew in Christ Jesus, and we're so excited to celebrate with them. You know, we're in our series here at Living Church, Who is Jesus, and I'm convinced that if people really understood who Jesus was, then we would be thankful for what he's done for us. That's what happened in my life. I realized who Jesus was, and the stories turned from just something that was disconnected to me to something that had to do with me. And over the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at all of these different things that Jesus's best friend, John, said about him. His best friend recorded seven statements that Jesus made de- defining who he was. Jesus said, this is who I am. So far, we've looked at the statements Jesus made. He said, I am the light of the world. You know, no matter how dark your situation is, Jesus is the one who will come in and brighten that thing up. Jesus, then he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. And sometimes we hear that and we think that it's an exclusion, but really it's an inclusion from Jesus. He wasn't using it as a weapon, but instead a welcome, saying, I want to be in relationship with you. Then on Easter Sunday, how many of you here were for Easter Sunday? It's a powerful weekend. On Easter, we talked about how Jesus said, I am the door. You know, a door, it gives you access to a place that you wouldn't be able to get into without the door. And Jesus being the door gives us access to his Father and to heaven. And then last week, we talked about, man, if you were here last week, it was good. We talked about how Jesus said, I am the true vine. You know, a vine, all it does is it's a supply system. It's a supply system to the branches, so the branches have the ability to bear fruit. And sometimes in our life, we try to bear fruit without being connected to the right source. And so Jesus, he says, listen, if you want to have a life that's full of happiness and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness, then you need to be connected to the true vine. So it's been a good series, I think. I've been learning a lot, even though the one I'm up here talking, God's been speaking to me about all kind of stuff in my own life and on my family and for the church. And today I'm so excited to look at another I am statement of Jesus in John 11, verse 25. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Everyone say resurrection. I am the resurrection and the life. Resurrection is when someone goes from death to life. When someone goes from six feet under, kicking the bucket, pushing up daisies, to becoming alive. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection. And I think it's exciting that we're talking about this on Baptism Sunday because being baptized is a symbol of our resurrection. It's the time that we realize and we show the world that God has taken us and our old nature and our sinful ways and he's washed us clean and made us new and rose us again with him. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says this. Therefore, if anyone, and that's good news that it says anyone, right? Not just like the special, smart, spiritual people, but if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You see, baptism says I'm new. And a lot of times when we hear about baptism, we can apply a lot of uh, religious things and ritualistic things to it, but I want to demystify baptism a little bit. In the original language, in the Bible, in the Greek, baptism, it simply meant to wash. The word baptizo just meant to wash. So if you've got your hands dirty, you would have to go to the bathroom and baptizo your hands, right? When you were brushing your teeth, you would be baptizoing your teeth. And so we hear the word baptism has this gigantic spiritual implication, which it is spiritual. But really, all it means is that God is taking you and he's washing you. He's saying that the old is gone and that the new has come. And that's why we celebrate as people say, I am new. But you might say, well, what am I being washed from? What is it that's happening 
in this tank as we're being washed. Well, the Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes 7.20, it says not a single person on earth is always good and never sins. So none of us have never sinned. I know that I've sinned. As I look back at my life to like yesterday, I realize that I'm a sinner and that I do things that I don't want to do. It says this in Romans 3.23. It says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And sin, it leads to hurt and negativity and resentment and bitterness. And though sin can be fun for a season, the devil would be dumb if sin wasn't fun. Sin can be fun for a season, but eventually it leads to death. But not just a physical death, a spiritual death, an eternal separation from God. And that's why God made a door. That's why God made a way where there was no way. That's why God sent a light into a dark situation. That's why Jesus came, is so that we could be forgiven from our sin. Romans 6, chapter th- or verse 3, it says this. It's so good. Don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through the baptism into death in order that, this is a powerful statement, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So in the same way that Jesus was crucified on the cross for his sin, and he died, but he rose again, in the same way, God makes a way for us to be risen again from the sin that was attached to us. So good. It says this in verse 5, 4. If we have been united with him in a death like this, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like this. And baptism is our symbol of that resurrection. So John chapter 11, verse 25, the I am statement of Jesus. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Jesus is talking a little bit about how we are all made up of three pieces. We're all body. We all have a body. We all have a flesh, right? We all have a soul. Our soul is our personality. It's our emotions. It's our knowledge that we've obtained. It's our experiences. We have a soul, and we all have a spirit. And Jesus is saying that all of us at some point, our body is going to die. Unfortunately to tell you, the mortality rate is 100%. All of us, our body someday is going to die. But we are created in God's image. We are eternal beings. And so our spirit will continue to live. And he's saying, though your body dies in me, your spirit lives forever. That's what Jesus has provided for us. And to understand what Jesus means in this portion of scripture, when he says, I'm the resurrection, we have to understand what he meant. To know what he means, we have to know what he meant. So I want to open up the context a little bit of what he's saying here in John chapter 11. It's the story of Lazarus. He says, I'm the resurrection, right in the middle of a story where one of his best friends died. One of his close friends died, a guy named Lazarus, and Jesus shows up and he brings him back to life. Spoiler alert, that's the end of the story. He has a resurrection. Lazarus comes back from the dead. But I want to look at the truths in this story to help us understand why this is such a big deal. It says this in John chapter 11, verse 1. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He's a friend of Jesus. The Bible tells us he has two sisters. His sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. They sent a text message to Jesus, right? They sent a courier pigeon. I don't know what they did, but they wrote a letter and they sent it to Jesus. And they said, Jesus, the one whom you love is sick, which is pretty amazing because if I had a sick relative and I was writing a letter to Jesus, my letter would say, Jesus, remember how amazing they are? Remember how good they are? Remember how much they love you? 
But Mary and Martha understand Jesus, and they don't appeal to how good Lazarus was. They appeal to how much Jesus loved Lazarus. Because the truth is the thing that takes you from death to life has nothing to do with you. And it has everything to do with Jesus' love that he already has for you. I'm preaching to verse 1, somebody. And so it goes on, it says this. When he, speaking of Jesus, heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. He spoke the healing before it was even needed. In the same way that he provided forgiveness for you before you even sinned, he, he said that Lazarus would not die before he even passed. It goes on, it says, no. It is for God's glory so that God spoke, so that God's son may be glorified through him. You see, Jesus is saying, what's happening in Lazarus' life is going to bring glory to the Father. This hard thing that he's walking through, I'm going to turn it so that many people would see how good God is. Verse 5, it says this now. Jesus loved Martha and her sister Mary and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he called an Uber and went there immediately. He jumped on his camel and said, giddy up, let's go. No, that's, that's what I kind of wish Jesus would have done, because that's what I want him to do in my life. Like, when I have a need, I want to pray, and I want Jesus to, like, show up yesterday. But it says this. It's crazy. It says, so when he heard Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Sometimes we think that God doesn't love us because we don't agree with his timing to his response to our request. And we give a request to God, and we think that he's our microwave or our Santa Claus, and if he doesn't respond in the time that we want him to, we wonder, does he love me? But what we have to remember is that he already told us the answer to the dilemma that we have, that he has good plans to prosper us. He has plans to give us a hope and a future. That's who Jesus is. And I've learned in my life, and there's some days I'm thankful for it, and some days I'm really frustrated by it, but God doesn't set his watch by my clock. I'm impatient a lot of times, and I want things to happen right now. I want the answer yesterday. I want to know what's going on. But God's the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning and the end. And so that means he has a much greater vantage point than what we can even comprehend. And so our timeline is not always correct with God's timeline. Verse 17, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. So Lazarus is not only dead, he's like dead, dead. Like, dude is gone. And that day, the Jewish people believed that on the third, it was like a superstition. They believed that on the third day, <clears throat> that the spirit would leave the body. So Jesus waited long enough so nobody could say, it's a fluke. He wasn't actually dead. He's been in the grave four days, no food, no water. He's in the tomb. Verse 21, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus, if you would have showed up. If you'd have been on time, if you'd have been here on my request, you'd have showed up. And you could read that and think that Martha has a bad attitude. But then we see this. But. Martha had a big old butt. And I can't deny. Right? Martha had a big old butt. <laughs> That'd be a good sermon series. I got a big old butt and I can't deny. There's a lot of big butts in the Bible. I don't got time. I don't got time. <laughs> Later on. I don't think I can put Sir Mix-a-Lot on the sign out front. People will stop coming. Okay. So... <laughs> Mental rabbit trail, okay. Martha says, but I know that even now, he's been dead four days, but even now, God will give you whatever you ask for. She has an even now mentality. So even though she doesn't understand God's timing, even though she doesn't understand what's happening exactly, she says, but God, even now, 
And I think that for us to be successful in our relationship with God, we have to have an even now mentality. Because sometimes we look at our marriage and it looks four days dead. But we have to say, God, even now. We look at our future and we remember what we wanted to do when we were young and we look at where we are now and we think about what we want to do and we think, man, it's four days dead. But we have to have an even now mentality. God, even now in this season of my life, you can do great things with me. So she has this even now mentality idea in her heart. And it says this in John chapter 11, 23. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. So Martha is double-checking Jesus. Like, Jesus, you're saying he's going to rise again, and I know, but are you talking about, like, in Revelations, like at the back of the book, like, that's when he's going to rise again? And here we get the I am statement of Jesus, verse 25. Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. I am. It's me. The one pointing at Lazarus. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. That if you have a relationship with Jesus, though your body may be buried in a tomb, your spirit will live forever with my Father. He goes on in verse 26, do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. Then Mary reached the place where Jesus was. So the other sister shows up, she got a bad attitude. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was, she saw him, fell at his feet, and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would have not died. But she don't have a butt attitude. And so she had a little butt. And so then it goes on. <laughs> I got to get off that. When Jesus saw her weeping, when Jesus saw her weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit. Jesus was brokenhearted because of their pain. He says, where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then they said, see how he loved him. Jesus already spoke the words knowing that Lazarus was going to be risen from the dead. But yet he was brokenhearted for the emotional pain that Mary and Martha were going through. Again, the thing that transitions us from death to life is not how good we are, but is how good God is. Is that he loves us through our hurt, and he loves us through our pain, and he cares for us. You know, we just celebrated Easter, Resurrection Sunday. And I've heard old-timey preachers say, the thing that held Jesus to the cross was not the nails, but was his love. And it's true. The thing that held Jesus to the cross on Easter was his love for you and I. It goes on in verse 38. Jesus came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. I want to make a doorway. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor. Lazarus is decomposing. It stinks in there, Jesus. It's been four days. He's been dead four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took the stone away. I love this portion of scripture because it tells me that Jesus isn't afraid of the stinky stuff. Sometimes we think that Jesus gets afraid of our stink. He gets afraid of our stench. He gets afraid of the stuff that gets connected to us. But Jesus loves us through our problem. No matter what you've done, no matter how bad you've messed up, no matter what you've gotten yourself into, Jesus loves you more than that thing. If you've gotten yourself into sexual sin, he loves you more than that. If you've gotten yourself into an addiction, he loves you more than that. If you wake up every morning depressed, he loves you through that depression. If insecurity is stifling your life, he loves you more than you can even imagine. God loves you. And many times, 
I'll talk with people as we're getting ready for baptism, and I'll say, hey, I've seen you've been coming to Living Church. You've asked Jesus into your heart. You've made a big life change. Are you ready to get baptized? And they say, well, Pastor, I'm not ready yet. I have to get some stuff together before I can get baptized. I've got this sin issue I have to work out before I get baptized. And I say, no, 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 no. If you could clean yourself up by yourself, then you wouldn't need Jesus to wash you. The reason that Jesus came and provided forgiveness for us is because he knew we're all a mess. And that no matter how hard we try, sometimes our brain still runs a direction that it shouldn't. And he says, even through that, I love you more than you can even imagine. John eleven forty one. When Jesus looked up and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you have always heard me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. So Jesus is telling God, hey, God, I know we already worked this out because I already said we're not ending death, but all these people standing around, I want them to understand what's happening. That's what he just said. <laughs> Verse 43, when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. Right, he came out. Straight thriller video. Lazarus comes out of the tomb, and it says, that didn't go over as good as I thought. The dead man came out, and his hands and feet were wrapped in strips of linen and cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. And in this moment, Jesus took something that was dead, stinky, and hopeless, and he brought it back to life. Because that's what Jesus does. Jesus, he knew that Lazarus couldn't walk into this next season of life wrapped in something from the past. And so he says, take off his grave clothes. So not only does Jesus want to help us have a resurrection, but he wants to take off the things that are attached to us from a previous life. Sometimes we don't have success in where we want to go because we can't put down something from where we've been. And Jesus says, take off your grave clothes run into this next season and know that I am with you. You see, Lazarus wasn't the first person who experienced a resurrection. There was a widow in the Bible who had a son that died that Jesus prayed for, and he had a resurrection. There was a religious leader whose daughter died. Jesus prayed for her, and she had a resurrection. There was a leper. In that day, leprosy was a disease, and if it was a death sentence if you had leprosy. Jesus reached out and touched the man and gave his life a resurrection. There was a time that Jesus was walking through a crowd of people and a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years. She had no hope, was out of money. She was knocking on death's door, but she reached out and grabbed the hem of Jesus' shirt. And the Bible says that power left him and flowed into her and she had a resurrection moment. There was another lady who was caught in the act of adultery. She was having sex with a guy she wasn't married to while she was supposed to be at church. And some men grabbed her and brought her to church and said, Jesus, the law says that we can stone and kill her. And with rocks in hand, Jesus said, let those of you without sin cast the first stone. And Jesus saved her life. That was her resurrection moment. You see, Jesus didn't only raise Lazarus back from the dead, but he is in the business of resurrection. There was a time that Jesus interacted with a guy who was demon-possessed, and the Bible says that the demon was throwing the man's body into the fire, trying to kill him. But that Jesus cast the demon out, and that was his resurrection moment. Once all of Jesus' disciples were in a boat, and a storm came up, and some of them were experienced fishermen, and they said, Jesus, surely we are going to die. This storm is so bad, our boat is about to break apart, and we're not going to make it through this. But Jesus stood up in the front of the boat, and he said, peace be still. The storm calmed down, and he provided for them salvation. 
And church, can I tell you, Jesus is in the business of resurrection. And no matter in your life what's dead, he can bring it back to life. He can look at that thing in you that's dirty and stinky and four days dead, and he can say, come on, son, come on, daughter. I'm still the God of resurrection. This is who I am. This is what I do. He wants us to have a life that's alive. 1 John chapter 11, 25. Let me read it again. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. But then he asked this question. He says, do you believe this? And so I want to ask you, church, do you believe that? Do you believe that he is the resurrection and the life? He's provided it for us. We said at the beginning that all of us have sinned and all of us have fallen short of the glory of God and that broke God's heart, so he made a way where there was no way. That all we have to do is say, God, forgive me my sins and come into my heart. And he's going to wash us clean. He's going to provide for us a resurrection. Because the resurrection moment is not in the tank. It's in your heart. This is not where you live, but this is where he lives. And so if you're here this morning, you would say, I'm far from the Lord. I haven't asked for forgiveness. I haven't asked God to come into my heart. We want to give you that opportunity today. So all across this room, if you would close your eyes and bow your heads, if that's you, and you'd say, Pastor, today I want to ask Jesus Christ into my heart. I don't want to wait anymore. I want to pray a prayer so that I would secure my eternity in a relationship with God. On the count of three, I would ask that you would just simply raise up your hand. We're not going to stand you up or embarrass you. We just want to give you an opportunity to ask Jesus into your heart. If that's you, on the count of three, raise it up. One, two, three. If that's you, yep, I already see hands all over the room. Yep, I see you in the back. Anybody else? Say, today's my day. Yep, I see you, ma'am. I see you, sir. I see you, girl. Anyone else? Say, today's my day. Living Church, and these few that had their hands raised, would you pray with me? Dear God, everyone pray with me. Dear God, forgive me my sin and come into my heart and cleanse me from my sin. Today, because of you, I'm new. I love you, Lord. Amen. Can we give those people a hand this morning that made that decision to accept Jesus?